the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So, Mike, I got I got a I got a bone to pick with you now, I guess. So, I went to your place last week. Of course, um, we, we we played softball last evening or last Tuesday evening, which was lovely. We saw Marty. We saw Marty Thompson, friend of the show. Uh, he's been on every sports episode so far, and never comes prepared with the right topic. <laughs> so we should talk about that's that is becoming a running gag, which isn't planned. That's one of most a lot of this a lot of this show is planned ahead of time, but for some reason he finds a way to uh, to, to derail us. But anyway. Before the before the game, you and I we had a lovely dinner at your house. Uh, your girlfriend made us chicken, chicken drumsticks, and so I sent or you made it as well. I'm not sure who was doing the cooking, but anyway, I sent you a message today about uh, one week later, I suppose, that just said there was a typo in my in in your defense, I guess. Uh, what was that run you guys used on the chicken last week, which caused much confusion for you? I meant to say rub. I obviously we understand that now, but um, we're you know we're also used to or I'm and both of us are used to reading Braden's messages, which uh, are often written like that and in in a very like strange way where there's no commas or anything as well where you're like I use punctuation I, though. You use and, punctuation. And yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just saying that I'm used to like trying to decipher something. That's where I took offense was that you said <laughs> this is the first Braden sentence you've ever sent and I don't think it was that bad because it was one word was no, out of out of context. But see, I I wasn't even thinking rub like that 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 word didn't even come into mind for me when I was like when you when I was reading that. I was like run like what is he saying like like the run can't be a typo. Yeah, I know. Well, anytime you put like spices and salts and stuff like that on a meat, that's a rub. I mean, like I don't it know. It is. Maybe... Yeah, I just it's just something you don't you don't hear that that often, right? So it just was like I don't know. I wasn't thinking about rub, and so I was like, okay, well he must mean run because he can't have a typo for run. So does he mean like talking about Chicken Run, the fantastic mer- movie from two thousand one, which I uh, two thousand actually two thousand, yeah, which yeah. we both love. So I was like, yeah. I'm down to get into a conversation about Chicken Run. Uh, or I thought it was maybe about Fall Guys, the the game that everyone's kind of playing right now. Uh, and uh, you play, like, the, the your starter costume is a bird costume. So I was like, oh, oh, does Neil mean, you know, like, the run, the Chicken Run from, like, the cottage or something? You know, like, when we were playing Fall Guys? like maybe I was not playing Fall Guys with you guys at the cottage, nor were we watching Chicken Run. So I don't, that's what I don't see is how you came to either of those conclusions. Because, and, then, and then you mentioned Fall Guys and Chicken Run, which I don't know. That's when you started to become Braden. Because <laughs> when we try to explain to Braden, like, how we interpret it, he turns it around on us to <laughs> us feel like idiots. Which is a very smart tactic. Very good tactic. I was thinking about the, those chicken drumsticks to this morning, actually, <clears> which is a weird time to be thinking about drumsticks. But this is the life I live, and uh, I hope to one day remake that that recipe in my house someday. Very good. Speaking of baseball, I just want to make this go round round the table back to baseball, where this story did begin. I want to have a little bit of a rant about uh, professional baseball. Hmm. Specifically, I had this on the notes. I was going to save it for the MLB episode, but screw it. We that's that's going to be a long time. So yeah. yeah, it's got, and I got enough time to figure out something else to complain about with baseball. But when there's a relief pitcher. I absolutely, that's probably my least favorite part about watching baseball is when there's a pitching change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here's why. It's it's a huge waste of time. I once went to a, a professional baseball game. Mike and I, we go to see Toronto Blue Jays games usually once or twice a summer. Mike and I are both, we're both from Toronto. We record this, up, uh, this show from Ontario. Uh, <laughs> so we go to Toronto Blue Jays games. And one game I went to, there was a pitching change in one inning twice, which if you're not a baseball fan, that means that you see three separate pitchers. 
Now, every time there's a pitching change, there's about a 10-minute delay <laughs> because, for one, for one, if the relief pitcher's a real dick, he'll walk out to the mound from the bullpen, <laughs> which is just wrong because they're, that's like a 200-yard walk, uh, which you have to watch this asshole walk. Usually he runs. Usually they run. Yeah, they usually um, run. Now, if I was a relief pitcher... I wouldn't want the other team to see me pitch. Because first of all, this guy's been warming up for a half an hour in the bullpen, you know, doing his thing, warming up his shoulder. Totally get it. But then he has the audacity to need eight more pitches on the mound. I get it. It's probably for advertising ad- advertising space and things like that. But if I was a pitcher, if I was a relief pitcher, you know, I'm, I'm 26 years old. I think I still have a shot at making it to the Jays. We'll see. <laughs> I would just come up to the mound and tell the ump I'm ready. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are ready. You, obviously, you're ready. You're out there for a reason. Okay. In my job, I work a very minim, like middle of the line. I work for a grocery store company. I'm in marketing. Like I'm not like the CEO or anything like that. But if like let's say my boss said, Neil, I need you to send an email to this vendor right away. If I said, give me a half an hour <laughs> to make an email, and I'm going to send eight fake emails <laughs> to make sure that it's good, I'd be fired. Uh... <laughs> Now, relief pitchers need to get their their act together because it's just unbelievable. When I saw that, when they changed the pitching, when they wanted to change the pitcher for the second time, I wanted to gouge my eyeballs out with a Nestle drumstick. So so you will be happy to know that rules have changed in the MLB for this year, actually. Yes, I I knew about that, which is great, but I can't go to those games. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, every, uh, you're only allowed to change a pitcher after three batters. Yes, so... Uh, that kind of stops the one because the problem was is that there's a lot of these lefty specialists who, who would come in to only mm-hmm. face you know like one player and they come in for like maybe one pitch sometimes and then yeah i'm not about that yeah and then not change again oh. so yeah that i think that was like really slowing down the game and it's no fun for anyone i get it's like the nope. a bit of like the chess kind of style of it like you're like oh what, what's the coach gonna do here he's gonna put him out okay i'm gonna like to put a pinch hitter in and change this but yeah mm-hmm. not not a, not about that i am about i, I think i dis i think i'm like against a lot of people in this one but i am about no dh i like when pitchers hit i think it's hilarious oh i do too i think i think pitchers need to hit it's funnier because they try so hard not to get hurt <laughs> yeah that it's fun to watch the other team try to hurt them <laughs> and it's like like a pitcher facing a pitcher is such a cool battle yeah it's like an hr person interviewing an hr person (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good metaphor for that yeah no we need more of that it's an actual duel between a pitcher and a pitcher i think that would be fantastic but no i'm glad that they're making some changes unfortunately there's nobody there to watch the changes in person because if if they made that change when when i was a young boy watching baseball in the stands i wouldn't want to gouge my eyeballs out with a frozen treat Mm mm-hmm which uh, is no good. But uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we do promise that this is the GameCube Was Cool podcast, episode 18. We're old enough to now buy lottery tickets if you live in Ontario. <laughs> but the GameCube Was Cool podcast airs every Thursday on your favorite podcast service. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're also on YouTube now. If we're not on a podcast service that you listen to, find another service. We're also on Instagram. That's our only social media platform, at the GameCube Pod. We'd love to have a Wikipedia uh, presence. So we do need, if you own a famous publication out there, please write <laughs> an article about us so that we can have a wikipedia page that's like our next stretch goal i think we can get it done by the end of this year i think so too yeah i think so i definitely think so so if you're listening out there in nintendo life we would love an article as soon as possible please write us an article please do it now but this episode is all about animal crossing the game that started a phenomenon let's let's go through these these release dates because 
there's a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure thing. No problem. I mean, like, so for this podcast, obviously, we're only typically talking about North American games. But yeah, this this this, this game had a story. So on April 14th, 2001, the game was released for the Nintendo 64 DD in Japan only. And then it came out on December 14th, 2001, same year. It came out on the GameCube. It was then released in North America on September 15th, 2002, which is the game we're talking about. And then Australia, October 17th, more than a year later in 2003. And then Europe, another year later on September 24th, 2004, which means this game took three and a half years to be fully released, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 isn't that crazy? Like, that's, that's just insane. That's never happened before. I can't think of anything. Maybe it has happened. I don't know. I mean, this game took a lot of effort to localize. It's got so much text that I guess it took. It needed three and a half years to be done. I don't know. It's hard to say now, but that's probably what took so long. But yeah, this game would be considered an open-ended social simulation game. Uh, it's had multiple games since then. It was also on DS, Wii, 3DS. Technically, it was on the Wii U, kind of. And then it yes. was also on Switch more recently. Uh, Mike, you played the Switch version. Did, did you want to give that game a little bit of a spotlight now before we carry on to the GameCube version? Yeah, so New Horizons, obviously the newest addition to the Animal Crossing family. It... Uh, you know, a lot of people like call it like a, a sequel to, I guess, uh, what was the last game that came out? Uh, uh, New Leaf. That would be the Animal Crossing on 3DS, which was New Leaf. Yeah. It really does feel like just like a, a an upresed version of the original game, with like so much more, obviously, and just they made it so much better in terms of everything. But um, it's you know, I got that game a week after it came out, uh, and you know, I'd been waiting for it for a long time. It was the first Animal Crossing game that came out for a console since the Wii, which is pretty crazy. And yeah, like, uh, thank you for, for saying earlier, the Wii U one is not a game, so. No, yeah, the Wii U version is definitely not. Animal Crossing, uh, uh the, Amiibo Festival. Amiibo Festival. It's kind of, it technically has presence on the Wii U, but it's not an Animal Crossing game. It's a board game that came with Amiibos and it was terrible. <laughs> and you can find it for like five bucks at EB Games, right? Like these days, if you want. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, now actually, the now it, it goes for a lot of money. Uh, so funny enough, because it has these amiibo cards in it uh, that are very hard to get, and uh, those amiibo cards are used in are the only way you can actually force villagers out uh, in the New Horizons. So they're very like hard to come by. That's hilarious. So no. it's kind of funny how that game was given new life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Even though no one's playing the game, they're just taking yeah. the cards. <laughs> but yeah, no, New Horizons honestly is just like the the peak of of this franchise i, I would say it, it's it's done everything right i mean there's tons of issues and things that people will bring up but sure. for a game as complex as this they they really hit it you know hit it out of the park and uh i've had a ton of fun playing it i've sunk more hours into that than any other game on my switch so far and that includes breath of the wild yeah, you're not alone. This game had, it, I mean, they couldn't have planned that release date any better. Obviously, they didn't plan it, but like it just, okay, so New Horizons was released on March 20th, 2020. Now, if you're listening to this podcast for some reason years into the future, uh, greetings, but also that is one week after the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So at this point, uh, it's been about one week. People are getting crazy. People are scared. And this video game comes out that's basically a life simulator where you can do outdoorsy mm -hmm. things, meet people, see friends, which is something that we couldn't do um, for the longest time throughout spring and summer of 2020. So uh, this game is highly tied to the pandemic and just being something for people to do. I lost many a friends to this game. Uh, not many, <laughs> a few. Mike, for one, but I mean, I didn't really lose you. Brandon, friend of the show, I think he's almost logged 800 hours in the game now since it came yep. out. But 
uh, the entire world agrees with you guys. This game has sold 22.4 million units as of June 30th, which is almost two months ago. So it's probably sold even more than that. Uh, as of right now, it sits just behind Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at 26.7 million units. I don't know, Mike, has that changed? Do you know? That's, that's uh, we'll we'll know in a couple months, yeah. but uh, I mean, I'm sure it's gonna overtake Mario Kart at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Kart may end up bouncing back and like during Christmas seasons because that's usually when yeah. most Mario Karts are sold. But um, it's 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 crazy that a non Mario game is second in the Switch, and that's probably I would I mean I'm just ballparking here, but I'd say that has never happened before, other than Mario or Zelda being in the top like two. Yeah, it's only, and then with handheld consoles, it's usually a Pokemon game is thrown in there. But yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild has been knocked off the list, and uh, Mario Odyssey has also been knocked off that top two list. So uh, yeah, and it's, like you said, it's the highest rated Animal Crossing game in the series. It's getting eights and nine, or sorry, nines and tens across the board. Uh, and uh, what I like is that it was released on the same day as Doom Eternal, which is like the exact opposite of Animal Crossing, <laughs> and Animal Crossing outsold it, at least in that first week, three to one. And think of this too, Doom Eternal was released on three different consoles. Yeah. And Animal Crossing's think... released on one. I know. That's the insane thing. And I don't th- I couldn't find I didn't look too hard, but I couldn't find updated Doom Eternal sales, but I I bet it's not twenty two point four million units. <laughs> yeah, yep. Let's travel back then now to the GameCube version of the game. Uh, as I said, this game was released mm-hmm. back in Vroom, was released back on September fifteenth, two thousand and two. Right away, I don't have any memories of playing this game back in the day. Another one of these games, classic games that I didn't play until way later. Did Mike? Do you have any memories of playing this game as a kid when when we were young? Or yeah, yeah. So I was, I played it probably about a year or so after. Uh, I think I played it in about two thousand four. And I'm not sure where I got this game or who gave it to me and why I knew about it. Uh, but for whatever reason, I had the game. And that happens to you as a kid a lot. Yeah. Sometimes you just go downstairs and all of a sudden there's a game there mm-hmm. that you have no idea where that came from. Someone left it at your house. The GameCube you know, area. The GameCube area. <laughs> the, the and um, I knew someone at school, in elementary school, who, who played that game. Uh, and... They were like, you know, I kind of would go and ask them about, like, what is this game? Because I have no idea what to do. I don't know what it is. I, I started it. I I didn't really understand it. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of, like, realized that it was basically Roller Coaster Tycoon, <laughs> in yeah, a sense. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... I, I, I was thinking about that, too, that it is kind of like it in that it's a sim, it's a sim game, but this is more of a life sim, whereas Roller Coaster mm-hmm. Tycoon is more of, like, a businessy sim game, which I much prefer Roller Coaster Tycoon to, like... <laughs> like, this is, like... Yes, Yeah, yes. Roller Coaster Tycoon is way more of my wheelhouse than... But, yeah, I, I, that's I kind of what got me going. Yeah, I can definitely see how pe- fans of Roller Coaster Tycoon that may have played that on PC would have jumped onto Animal Crossing because of the similar design of just building a, a town and and having this currency and buying and selling things and having a job and things like that yeah yeah so i, I kind of started getting more and more into it uh and that is the beauty of animal crossing is that you've played a little bit and you're like whatever and then oh, maybe i'll go back and play it a bit more a bit more and then you're like fully invested because mm-hmm. once you play it long enough like that's it it's got you hooked forever mm-hmm. and i i had a lot of questions about the game there's a lot of things like uh you know, with the seasons changing and what kind of animals are out and what kind of critters can I catch? Uh, you know, how do I do this? How do I make more money? So I had so many questions that, and you know, this was kind of pre-internet, you know, the internet existed, but you couldn't easily mm-hmm. just look stuff up. So I remember going with my dad on Sundays to the library 
and uh, they had the Animal Crossing guide there at the library. Oh. And I would read the Animal Crossing guide every Sunday, and I would bring a notepad, and I would take notes. I, I could have clearly just bought this or asked my parents to buy or, me this guide. Could you not just take out the guide from the library at the time, or was it like... Because now uh, you can take no, magazines out as you... No, please. yeah, so that it was in like the section of the magazines where... I, I don't know if you remember, but like there was that section like for the newspapers and the magazines that you can't take them. Oh, right? okay. You can just go, you just go and read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like all kind of libraries had that like little reading section. Right. And so I would bring it over there, go on the table while my dad read whatever. And uh, I uh, and I would take my notes. I would like sift through it, write stuff down, and then have my questions answered to go back, uh, play the game, and the next Sunday have more questions. And like that's kind of how I learned how to play and like gamify Animal Crossing, uh, because that's I think a huge the beauty about it is that it like I know you're gonna bring this up that it's not a game in your mind. Yeah. And you're you're right to to uh, in a sense. And, but that's what makes it so good is that it's not a game and that because most games you will put down within a week or two as a kid, you know, Animal Crossing is probably one of the only games that you will never need to put down. No, that's right. And if you do put it down, one of the things that I, I'm going to give this game a lot of credit, don't, don't worry, but there is, I do have, I do have a lot of issues with Animal Crossing, sure, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but no, I, I am going to give it that credit that for a game that was supposed to be on the N64, which was ported to the GameCube. It, just having this game that, like, if you put it down for uh, even a couple days to weeks to years, it it affects the in-game town and the villagers. They f- they miss you. They forget about yep. you. Things go wrong while you're gone, which is just such a cool gameplay mechanic that I hadn't seen before. Like that that never happened to any other game that I ever played up until that point. So uh, this was now, the first game that actually did this because this was the first game that used an internal clock, uh, and that that was the that was the whole premise behind this. And this was like the classic Nintendo, you know, way of finding something so boring mm-hmm. as an internal clock on a game system yeah. and, and and figuring out a cool way to manipulate it and and make it into something more. And that's kind of that's the basis of Animal Crossing. Like that's where that came from. Yeah, it's just such a simple concept, but they they took it and they they've run with it for I, I guess there's only what there's the GameCube, DS, 3DS, and now the Switch version. So there's only f- and the Wii, uh, yeah, and the Wii. So there's five versions of this game, and they all base themselves on that main mechanic. They they've jumped in a lot more with online multiplayer now because I guess that's kind of the thing that every game eventually gets inevitably. Yeah, but I would say that this game is by far the most impressive in terms of being a technological masterpiece. Oh, it just it's just so far ahead of its time. Yeah. And it's funny because like like I said how New Horizons has perfected a lot of these ideas. New Horizons doesn't really have these new ideas though. The, all these ideas come from the original Animal Crossing. You know, things like the multiplayer. Like right. multiplayer in this game is it's kind of weird, but it works. It's yeah. the idea that you have to bring another memory card, you put it into the GameCube, and then you take the train to travel to that person's uh town. Yeah. You go to their town and you take the memory card out. And it's like, you know, obviously it sucked doing that. I remember doing that. It was stupid. Uh but <laughs> It was cool that you could actually do it, and that's something that I think Animal Crossing does better than anything else at that time, was that they weren't afraid to try to, to do these things, because they knew, they knew that this was going to be the way and the future that you had to play. Yeah, that's the thing is that you're saying is that, yeah, they had the limitation of no online, but 
players can use a multi can use a memory card to play multiplayer with their friends, go in the train station to visit each other's towns. They didn't just stop there though. They they included a memory card with the game so that because mm-hmm. like, it was so big. And like how we've been like we make a joke out of it, like asking all of our guests that come on the show, did your parents remember to buy you a memory card? At least with this game, they kind of had it figured out that okay, parents don't necessarily they're definitely not going to know that you're going to need two memory cards for this. So let's give them a free one in this game. And yeah, every single GameCube case, at least I think they all do, they all have a like a slot to hold a memory card, which I think is almost for Animal Crossing at that point, like just so that you could play Animal Crossing at friends' houses if you just wanted to go visit them. So um, I looked this up because I I thought that this might be true, that I couldn't find any actual information of why that that case or why that memory card like slot is in there. I'm sure obviously it just was like, oh, like the GameCube is a portable console. It has a handle, you know, we want people to take their stuff places. But I'm 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 pretty certain that it was uh, the Animal Crossing influenced that for sure. Definitely. Because Animal Crossing had already come out at this point uh, before the GameCube came out, as you said before. Mm-hmm. So they knew that they were going to have to do this uh, once the the uh, GameCube version eventually came out. So, yeah, I think that was a big influence on why they had those little memory card slots. Yeah, that was a weird thing to have the memory card because it only held the first party memory cards. So none of I had Mad Cat's memory cards, which never fit properly. So yeah. it never actually, I've never actually had a GameCube memory card, so I've never been able to use it. But then when Nintendo came out with the DS, every single DS case also had a Game Boy Advance game holder in it. So yep. it's just completely random box designs that Nintendo did for those <laughs> only those two generations they did that for, and that are those two consoles. Then with the Wii, the Wii U, and now the Switch, they all just hold one thing. I think for the most part. But just a few other things that you could do in Animal Crossing that were different for other games. There was, um, yeah, we mentioned you can play four players. You can also play four players on a single game file. So that was a thing. If you had siblings and things like that, you could all share yep. the same game file with up to three of uh, your friends. There was a communication board via mail or the, the town board if you wanted to communicate with your friends. Like if you logged in later, um, you could talk to them that way. You could also ship things to each other, kind of like a little digital Amazon you could play NES games together, which I'm going to get to in a minute. That's probably my favorite part of Animal Crossing on GameCube was the NES mm-hmm. games that you could unlock. But then there was also the e-reader cards, which I really want to talk about because this was kind of a kind of a terrible idea. I mean, a great concept, but it was executed really poorly. So Yeah, I actually don't know really anything about this. So I want to hear what you have to say for it. Yeah, so you basically, first of all, you needed to have a Game Boy Advance. You needed to have a GameCube. You needed to have this e-reader, basically a Visa card attachment for your uh, Game Boy Advance. And then you needed to have the e-reader cards. So already the barrier to entry is massive. (laughs) But but it was, it is. I I saw a video on YouTube to see what you need to do. You've got to be kidding me with this. And then you need your memory card to play Animal Crossing. But uh, so it's an accessory for the Game Boy Advance. It It was released in September of 02. And it's like, you just get like this pack of cards like a credit card or a Visa card or something like that, mm-hmm. which provided you with in-game bonuses. So if you scan your e-reader card on your Game Boy Advance, hooked up to your GameCube, playing Animal Crossing, you would, you'd be either given uh, villager cards, which scanning those gave you letters from villagers. You might get a sibling card, which was the same as a villager card, except you had two characters, which were related, being siblings. Mm-hmm. You might get a design card, which you could wear, uh, which would give you shirts, uh, umbrellas, flags, doormats, wallpaper, etc., and then there were town tunes, which gave you pictures of KK Slider and uh, songs. And then there'd be mini game cards, which would give you mini games such as Jump Rope and things like that. So it was kind nice. of like a way to kind of DLC in a way. Yeah, see, and again, like I like it's clearly a flawed way to do it. But uh, I, yeah. I like that they at least tried, you know, to, to do this. And they, they 
they clearly had this vision in their head mm -hmm. and they're like, well, we don't have the resources and the technology that at this point, but let's still try and do it. If someone has these things, like let's not limit them. Yeah. They definitely find a way to like, it's just like, I don't know. It's almost like, it reminds me of like rat race where they're trying to get to this end destination and they go through all these crazy hoops. They jump, they, they, you know, I don't know if you, it's a, that's a bad example, but like, you know, they take trains, they take planes, they take cars, they take bikes to get to this last destination. And this is what they came to, to kind of come up with a way to incorporate, um, new things into the game that you already bought. Like if you want to have extra shirts, extra characters and things like that, this is one way to do it. There was also a way to unlock a few other unlockable NES games through the e-reader cards, which I'll get to that now. So in the game, uh, in Animal Crossing, you have, there's obviously a ton of things to collect. This game is the ultimate collect-a-thon um, in terms <laughs> oh, yeah. of just rare fish and, and bugs and whatever else. But there was also unlockable Nintendo Entertainment System games, which at this point, the NES had been gone for almost 20 years, 15 years or so. So this was kind of like a way to unlock this history in Nintendo to GameCube players, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. I really wish that they haven't done it since then. And I, I, I wish they, I think yeah. that's like the only thing I, I don't like about New Horizons is the fact that, because the way you unlock these, well, you're going to get into it, but like it, they're usually through menial tasks and, and stuff. So in New Horizons, you do these same kind of tasks, but you don't get rewarded for them like you did in, um, uh, in, in GameCube. Mm -hmm. And cause yeah, I would love to unlock like GameCube games. Yeah. In, uh, in that would have been amazing. Like, that would have been be a amazing. cool, a cool callback to the uh, the NES idea. And yeah. you can, and you can, you can like not only can you unlock these these games, these NES games, but you can do multiplayer with mm -hmm. them, which is crazy. Like that's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And you got so just to read out the games. I don't know if if fans or listeners know these games, but anyway, there's classics like Balloon Fight, Baseball, Clue Clue Land. Donkey Kong, uh, Donkey Kong Jr., Junior Math, and Donkey Kong 3, Excite Bite, Golf, Pinball, Punch-Out, Soccer, Tennis, Wario's Woods, and then with uh, e-reader cards, you could unlock Mario Bros. and Ice Climbers, so, and then there's other versions in Japan, too. I think you could get Zelda and uh, mm -hmm. one other as well, but that that's really cool. Like, these games aren't the creme de la creme, like, it's not, it's not like Mario 2 or Mario 3 or, or Zelda or Metroid, but, like, th these games were pretty big for the 1985 first year of Nintendo. And there's no way that you could play these. No. Uh, at the, you know, other than playing the NES. Like, and which, at that point, if you're a kid, there's a pretty low chance that you were going to have an NES. Yeah. Uh, you you know, you didn't grow up on it. Your parents wouldn't have grown up on it. You know, uh, your older brother would have had the SNES, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, it, like... That was like me. I had the SNES. That, that I wasn't quite in that NES uh, generation. And I, have, I don't really have any memory playing NES games. A few, but like I don't collect for the NES or anything like that. But yeah, you're right. Like this would have been, this is a great way to get young kids involved in a, in a part of Nintendo's history that they couldn't jump in on. And I agree fully. If the new animal crossing game on switch had GameCube unlockable games, I probably would have bought the game just for that. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. The NES thing was also just, I don't think it was really marketed. I could be wrong, but I don't think they, they were like, you can unlock NES games in here. The, but it was just kind of a subtle, like, Oh, if you like find this, you can unlock this. So that was kind of cool as well. And also kind of stupid. I feel <laughs> because you, you could have actually like, gotten a lot of people buying this game if you're just like oh you can play nes games on here yeah like that's, I mean, that would be a huge like wow like okay 
Yeah. Because these legacy collections were flying off the shelves at this point. I know. Uh, they were very popular, so why not push that? I don't know. At, at the same time, you don't want the game Animal Crossing to be overshadowed by the NES, the, the fact that you could play NES games. They wanted to sell this game as it was and then have the NES sure. games maybe just be a nice Easter egg and a nice bonus for playing this life simulator game. Uh, I just have a few more things I want to gush about with the game before, before we bring on our guest and before yeah. I start turning on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> First of all, my favorite thing about this game is uh, we're going to talk about the translated text that this game has. I think that the the dialogue between characters in this game is is just fantastic. Like it's a mix of over the top joyfulness and then just complete depression. <laughs> Which <laughs> so it, I guess I guess we should say like like whenever we say localization, mm-hmm. like that localization literally just means like translated text. Yeah. I, I know. Like I said that to someone the other day, and they're like, "What?" Oh, and I was like, okay. "Oh, like." Yeah, I was like, okay, that's like an odd term everyone knows. But yeah, localized just means like taking the Japanese text that was originally made for Animal Crossing and then kind of making it, you know, into English basically, but not translating. And that's the difference between localizing and translating. Right. Uh, Because it's not translating the Japanese text. The Japanese version of Animal Crossing, the Animal Forest, is actually very different Mm. uh, from Animal Crossing. Uh, The characters' names most are all different. Because uh, they use Japanese puns and things like that, oh. where uh, the characters' names in uh, in English, you know, like something like Renee, who's mm-hmm. a horse, uh, you know, like stuff like that, that can only be conveyed through for right. like an English-speaking uh, uh, user. So, so that's where localized really means not translated, but you know, taking the idea and done like doing it in the different language yeah they uh they had to translate uh thousands of lines of text for the game and not just like you said not just text they also had to uh make holidays and items that would be relatable to north american players because yeah if they completely yep. just took this game from japanese uh translated it one for one it wouldn't make any sense it wouldn't be funny and it wouldn't apply to north american players so yeah it's localized. and that's the crazy it's, thing yeah. right it's just like the amount of time like i was reading i don't know if you read the same stuff but like the amount of people that they had they had a huge team mm-hmm. that was just dedicated yeah. to writing all this content and uh, it is a lot it is i i would love to get an animal crossing script because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so much it's mm-hmm. like one character alone so i'm gonna go delve into this a little bit rosetti Mm-hmm. My favorite character. I love Rossetti. Okay. And we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit more when Kira comes on. But, you know, Rossetti, he's a mole and he comes on when you reset your game. And he gets mad at you for resetting the game because when you reset the game in GameCube, there's no auto saving. And so the idea is that if you reset, you're cheating because you like you did something, you tried something, you didn't like it. Uh, and then uh, you're like, OK, no, I'm just going to reset. We'll start over. Uh, and, but the, 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 the days and time keeps going, right? Cause it's based on GameCube's internal clock. So that was kind of like the, the way people would like quote unquote, like hack it mm-hmm. and time uh, travel and, and things like that. Yeah. So Rossetti didn't like that. <laughs> and then there, you know, his name to Rossetti, you know, it's like <laughs> reset. It. Yeah. Reset. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a mole and he will pop out and this was, this scared me as a kid when you did this by accident because i you didn't know you just turn off your gamecube you didn't save uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the times uh he would pop out and he he'd start lecturing you about all all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing this and like he lectured you like he was very angry 
Like you, like he was visibly angry in the game, and you got scared as a kid. He would get really like animated, and he would like throw his fists around, and his eyes got really wide too, and he he got the angry eyes. Yeah, I know what you're saying, and it was that he was supposed of... to be like a New Yorker, you know? He was like he's like yeah. he's like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's kind of what he was supposed to be. But he had the Animal Crossing voice and everything like that, so he wasn't quite creepy, but still was. And it was that it was that N64 level of graphic where characters that looked angry looked a lot more angry than they should yeah. have because they couldn't really render characters properly yet. And and the text would come up really really large and change color and everything when he started yelling at you yep. uh and it's like but basically back to my point here is that Rossetti, this character who only comes up when you are like resetting your game and he gets mad at you uh he has 20 minutes of unique dialogue oh my gosh 20 minutes for a side character that you barely for a side see character yeah and his dialogue is dense like he has a lot to say uh and it's it's pretty insane at this point to have so much like you know i i'd estimate this would be like you know 50 pages of dialogue for this character that someone would have to write just one character and, yeah yeah and 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 he and it's different right because if you reset it three times he'll say something different if you set reset it four times hmm. then he's gonna be like okay like you no know, now now i gotta really bring the, the hammer down on you uh, if you reset it like a hundred times or whatever, then his brother comes and his brother starts <laughs> saying stuff to you. His brother Don, I think. Okay. And he's like, "Oh, look, Rossetti, I'm sorry." Or, or look, look, man, I'm sorry, Rossetti. He, you know, he kind of flies off the handle. Mm. Uh, you know, the Rossetti's, uh, and he's like, he's like supposed to be like the, the, you know, good cop, bad cop here. He's supposed to be a good cop. Okay. He's like, well, you know, if if you could, um, just try not to reset next time. Oh, that's cute. I love that. Uh, I, I love that. That that's just amazing. And like all week this week, I've been posting uh, the Animal Crossing quotes. So if anybody sees the quotes with our Animal Crossing posts on Instagram, I'm not. We're not depressed. We just love. I, I just love the. I don't know. Just like you can't. Re- he says something like you can't reset life or something like that. In life, yep. there are no do overs and stuff like that, which is really deep for an, an E-rated Animal Crossing game with cute characters and and bright sunshiny villages and stuff like that. But the um. Yeah, the localization team was uh, headed by Nate Bildorf and Rick Amtower, which um, I just have to give a shout out to those two gents. Uh, they did a fantastic job with this game. Obviously, there were tons more people working on this, but those are the only two names that I could find mm-hmm. just to make this game really come to North America with a bang. And my last shout out to the game is just I wanted to say that the they pretty much landed the art style of the game and stuck with it for the last 20 years and haven't deviated, which I I give full props to, which is hard to do in video games. Typically art style in video games changes with every single iteration. But if you look at marketing material, like stuffed animals, posters, box art, it's hard to tell which generation it's from because it's just stayed consistent since 2002. And that is the mark of a great franchise. Honestly, like I was looking at just a fan of Animal Crossing, like they had like a a haul of just stuff like Animal Crossing cards and Amiibos and stuff like that. And I couldn't tell it was a mix like it was a mix of the 3DS gen, the new gen, the GameCube gen. And I couldn't tell Mm -hmm. which one was which. Right. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd like to uh, take a take a moment here and uh, read out a couple of Rossetti lines. Okay, cool. You know, I can see you forgetting yourself and re- resetting once, maybe twice. It could happen, I guess. But this time, no two ways about it. It was deliberate. A calculated, cold-blooded act of villainy by a punk. No more forgive and forget. Rosetti for you, pal. Oh no, until you show me some real regret, I ain't leaving. Alright, what to do, what to do. They don't exactly cover hoodlums like you in res- reset prevention ma- manual. <laughs> Asking, you got that? Ain't working. All that gets me is lip service. Now we both know what that's worth. Hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. 
Listen up, troublemaker. Here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> no more of your worthless, I'm sorry, Mr. Rossetti, garbage. Now you're gonna have to do exactly what I say. You screw it up, you do it again. Let's see. Yeah, that'll work. Say, you are my sunshine. <laughs> and you have to type it in exactly how he writes it. And he writes it U space R in, ca in capitals, space my, space and a little sunshine icon. When I was listening to you read it, I was just picturing it to like the beat of a rap song. Like, I pictured that being a rap. Like maybe he's actually a hip hop artist that he raps. Like if those rhymed, that would I would have been, I don't know, just the way you were saying it with the rhythm and this and the uh, syllables and stuff like that. I think it could have been. And then like when his brother comes in and tries to be nice, he's like that sad kind of emo uh, bridge going back to the rap, like a Lincoln Park, like a Lincoln Park song. I think the two are just a Lincoln Park song. So if you write sorry instead of you are my sunshine. Mm -hmm. He's then like, wrong, in huge letters. Nope, nope, no way, twerp. Do it over. Try again. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, uh, and he's like, oh, you being sincere, right? You really, truly, no joke, cross your heart, hope to die, mean it? Well, do ya, punk? That thing you just said, don't forget it. Wow. Well, all right then. As long as you and I are clear on that, I'm one happy, snappy mole. But, for the love of dirt, no more. It stops here. Before you go to bed... Brush those teeth, will ya? Understood? Now. Scram! And that's what he always does. He always says scram, scram at the end. Yeah. And he goes back into his hole. That's, that's, and there's, and there's, you said, sorry, 20 minutes of that? So it does really, like, stop you from wanting to reset the game. Yeah. It's like a hidden load screen, I guess, when the, that's probably what's happening is that they're figuring out, I guess the game is loading, but it is kind of like a cool punishment for trying to reset the game and trying to cheat. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, having a game where it's like decisions are permanent and they matter is a great, um, it's a great thing to have in games and just being like a fun animal crossing game. It's interesting that they decided to go with that with this. You'd think like looking at this game, it's like, oh yeah, there's, I'm sure there's tons of, you know, uh, forgiveness and uh, safety nets and stuff like that. But no, it's like a, it's a game where there's risks and you cannot, you cannot, uh, you can't take any risks and you can't fail because otherwise you get Rossetti's, uh, <laughs> Rossetti's rants, which is, <laughs> it sounds like they're fun. crazy. Like it's my favorite part of the game now as an adult, because it just, thinking of like what they would have had to do to to make that possible that's what i love about animal crossing is it's such a singular effort in terms of like gameplay and aesthetics and the feel and that's what makes games great yeah is that when you can imagine one person did this entire thing obviously they didn't it's like a team of probably hundreds but that's what makes a game or any art art form great is when it, it feels like it's just coming from one person's head yeah and that's a huge issue that you and i both have with movies these days is that you can tell when when movies have so many different visions in them and some AAA games as well but i mean we talked a little bit about the new animal crossing game being such a phenomenon this game was no small phenomenon either it, it did very well it received also nines and tens from most of the major publications at the time like ign and GameSpot and stuff like that and then worldwide it sold about 2.42 million copies making it the sixth best-selling gamecube game the game reviewed very well and obviously people love it to this day and it's very big again because the gamecube is big right now and animal crossing is very big right now so it's the perfect time to celebrate animal crossing on a gamecube podcast the gamecube is always big neil the gamecube was always cool that's right <laughs> Okay, so we can talk a little bit more about the origins of Animal Crossing. Sure. Uh, I know you touched on it a little bit already, Neil, but uh, you did say that it had its origins in the 64DD. Uh, that was along with Star Fox Adventures, Eternal Darkness, and Cubivore, which we already talked about. Right. Uh, they obviously all got moved over to the GameCube when 64DD became not a thing. Uh, and 
that's kind of how the origin of the game started in that sense. And it was kind of like a beta game mm-hmm. for the the 64DD. Uh, it didn't have a lot of the things that we uh, kind of associate Animal Crossing with. It was more just like the communication aspect of it um, rather than actually doing anything. The co-director of this game, uh, Katsuya Iguchi, uh, he actually took the biggest inspiration for the game from Diablo, of all places. What? Uh, which is a weird one, right? But he liked the communication aspect of Diablo. And so that's kind of where this, the concept started in mind. And then his uh, and then his team kind of brought up the internal clock and everything. And that's kind of how it uh, uh, it was born in terms of uh, of the seasons changing and everything. But yeah, it's funny that Diablo was the initial um, the initial inspiration there. It was supposed to be a lot more gameplay in it it wasn't just going to be a life sim it was going to be closer to diablo and closer to zelda oh there would have been combat in it Mm -hmm. there was going to be combat there's going to be dungeons the reason why a lot of this went out was because of the the 64 dd like i said because they had to scrap so many of these ideas when they were making it for it and that's where what's why the kind of just the idea of the communication aspect and just the town itself is what stayed and that's kind of what we have today yeah i'm kind of glad that they didn't go with the whole zelda thing and, and adding combat I, I at my first blush I, I, i'm saying like oh that would have been awesome i might have played it but then we would have just had another zelda like a more cutesy kiddish exactly. zelda and we already had like this is kind of like a cel-shaded almost when it's close to wind waker but it's not so we already had something like that on GameCube with, with Zelda Wind Waker. Um, so I'm glad that they went away from that. I find it really interesting, though, that every time... I'm just reading an interview now that they... It was a 64 Nintendo... By the way, the Nintendo 64 DD was a Japanese-only peripheral for the Nintendo yeah. 64. It was a disk drive that you could hook onto the bottom of your Nintendo 64 to play uh, expanded games and bigger games, but it only it didn't last very long. It was a J- Japanese-only... Uh, attachment it only had it had very few games including animal crossing and things like that there was also i think Mm -hmm. an earthbound game on there um there was supposed to be an ocarina of time uh game on there as well but obviously it didn't happen so but i find it interesting that every time there's like a new technology that has online capabilities and things like that everyone's first instinct instinct is always a socialization chat room kind of thing like like with (laughs) Like with uh, VR, like there's that VR chat room uh, app or game that's super popular where people make their own characters to hang out there um, with the internet being a thing like MSN Messenger and I think chat rooms being the first thing to make. Like we're, it's just a, another sign that humans are super social people and yeah. uh, and no matter what, we're always going to find new ways to interact with each other. And that's just what Animal, animal Forest was meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. So like I said, I'm glad that they took away combat for that reason. It became more of a peaceful game as opposed to something that would have probably ended up like Diablo, which would have been funny. <laughs> well, I see that we have friend of the show Kira joining us all the way from St. Catharines, Ontario. Kira, how are you today? Hey guys, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain for a Monday evening. The internet works. Very good. Someone tell everyone. I'm going to be honest, other than the voicemail I left you guys, I've only ever done radio. This is my first podcast appearance. Ooh, Ooh, very nice. It can be edited well, now. Oh, thank goodness. But we do have a couple questions for you, Kira. The first question is, did you own a GameCube growing up? I owned a GameCube as an adult, but not as Fair, a youth. as an adult. And I had the silver one, which I noticed on your Sunshine podcast. Nobody had the silver one. 
No one had the silver one. Silver one is, I feel like, yeah, they're rare, which is weird because I do see them sometimes. Uh, yeah, because like me and Neil both own uh, purple and black ones. Yeah, and friend of the show, Dan Kerr, just recently scored a really sweet haul with a GameCube and uh, like F-Zero, Sunshine, um, Double Dash, and there was one more in there, I forget. But it came with two controllers and a silver GameCube, which I was super jealous of. But yeah, they're hard to find. I think they it was a later release. It came with like the bundled GameCubes were all black for the most part. So that's why the mm-hmm. black one is typically the most popular one. The purple one was the one at launch. And then, yeah, silver came later. So that's right. But uh, uh, yeah. So what like when did you actually buy the uh, the GameCube or did you get it as a gift? So the GameCube arrived to me as a gift uh, right after my 18th birthday to celebrate my new apartment. Ooh, that's a nice With it gift. was Pikmin, but I actually didn't get into the Animal Crossing end of things until New Leaf, embarrassingly enough. Wow. New Leaf, well, is the, I mean, new Leaf was the 3DS one, right? Which we talked about a little bit. It was, yeah. yeah. But I mean, they're all basically the same in, in, in a sense. To the outsiders, yeah, they're all the same. I'm sure that the hardcore fans will pick out the uh, differences and things like that. I actually bought New Leaf. I mean, Mike, you would know. I don't know if Kira would know this, but there's a, there's a mall near us. Like five years ago, there was a Nintendo booth there. It was in the middle of the mall. It was like kind of what you see, like a sunglasses booth or whatever, but it was a Nintendo booth and it was licensed Nintendo products and games and things like that, that Nintendo was using as a test market to see if Toronto or the Mississauga area needs a Nintendo store, like what's in New York and Japan. Obviously, it didn't pan out because there's still no Nintendo store in Toronto. (laughs) But uh, there was a girl there that I guess I was trying to impress at the time, and she loved Animal Crossing. So I walked over to EB Games right around the corner and bought Animal Crossing, played it for one hour. (laughs) Obviously, this venture didn't work because I could not play. I did not play it for that long. And I think I like I got her friend code to go to her town once and then the Nintendo booth then sadly closed shortly after that and she moved away and I never found out where she went. But you still have her friend code. No. Uh, oh, wait, maybe. I mean, I, trade, I sold the Animal Crossing New Leaf for $10. Oh. oh, dude, I got rid of that game so fast. Well, if you sold it for $10, you didn't sell it back to EB Games. I can promise you that. No, I definitely didn't. I think I probably sold it to one of the game stores in our town or like yeah, I think it was one of the secondhand stores that aren't EB games. But uh, so when you got the GameCube, did you know you had to buy a memory card for it? I actually got a memory card with it as part of the gift. Right. <gasps> someone someone was thoughtful. One of the very, very lucky ones, yeah. I mean, I, I went through the PlayStation 2 memory card fiasco, so I think I probably <laughs> would have gone and bought one. Because not being able to save your game, just that just doesn't work. <laughs> but I mean, if you got the GameCube at, at, at when you were 18, I think you probably knew it was it was for us young thumb suckers that would get the GameCube with no uh, memory card and obviously no money at the time either. We were screwed, but being 18 and almost you know, pretty much a full grown adult at that point with money. Also having no money. Well, yeah, kind of. You had just enough to scrape, scrape together to buy a cheap third party memory card. You still had the the access to eBay and Amazon and whatnot. But yeah, so another qu- our last question here before we really get into it is who is your favorite Animal Crossing character? You know what? If you'd asked me years ago, I would have said Keaton. Mm. But then I spent an extraordinary amount of money on Amiibo cards, not realizing you could purchase (laughs) specific characters from eBay, all in a quest (laughs) to get back Ken, who moved away when I wasn't paying attention. So I'm going to have to go with Ken, gentlemen. No doubt. So I see you like the bird, uh... You like the bird characters the most, then? I do, actually. And and Mayel was one of my first villagers, too. So I think you're right. I think I've got mm-hmm. an affinity for the birds. I'm, I'm a big Keaton fan. Uh, I, I had to look up Ken because I couldn't remember what Ken looked like. But he is that uh, that dark pigeon, I guess. I think uh, he's I don't know what kind of... to be a chicken. 
but he looks like oh, an yeah. arrogant pigeon. <laughs> he does look like an arrogant <laughs> pigeon. All pigeons do have some arrogance to them, I think. Because he has a smug, uh, uh, the, the smug personality, which is always kind of funny. <laughs> but when you become close with a smug villager, they open up and they say things every once in a while that just hit you right in the heart, and it's like, you do have feelings in there, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love about Animal Crossing, is that the dialogue is so deep. You know, you'll get close to them, like, uh, what's her name in the Abel shop? Is it Mabel or Sable? Whatever the red one is. Uh, you have to, like, talk to her for a long time before she actually opens up to you. And then all of a sudden, you have, like, pages of new dialogue. And, like, that's something that's so unique with Animal Crossing, the fact that these are, like, these little Easter eggs everywhere around you. Something that I didn't notice until the latest one was the conversations that happen between villagers that you're kind of standing by and observing. Like, they've, they've really mm. thought through how the different personalities of the villagers interact completely independent of what your villager's doing, which is probably just waving a stick at something, but... It's, it is it is pretty cool in that, because, again, like, you just think it's like, someone has to write this. Someone has to write this separate dialogue now. Dialogue that's not just with you, but with, like, other characters, and characters interacting with characters. And, like, how far, do, how far does the inception go? Are, are they talking to each other while I'm not looking? Probably. That's what you're supposed to believe, that when you leave the GameCube <laughs> alone, their, their life is still going on inside that little cube. I just love picturing, like, how stressed out, like, people are with their normal, like, accounting jobs and stuff like that. And meanwhile, the developers for Animal Crossing have to go home stressed out because they need to write, like, they need to write dialogue <laughs> for a turtle talking to a dog, talking to a chicken. Like, it's just it's just such a different world some people live in. But, yeah, it would have been somebody's, somebody's stressful Monday evening was spent writing <laughs> pelican lyrics. I was just going to say, somebody gets paid. To write pelican mm -hmm. lyrics. Someone gets paid to write puns all day. Just oh, puns. That's, like, that's puns the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. I actually read somewhere that in this version of Animal Crossing, they were really trying to bring in elements that it would appeal to new fans and casual players. And then introducing yep. things like the, the terraforming to appeal to the players who have followed along and have always wanted to be able to customize the town. So I think that that could back up the numbers that you're talking about about the switch downloads because more oh, for sure are interested in it and and the thing too so it's funny that you mentioned that i just want to kind of go back to the gamecube uh, version for a second uh and the when they were cr creating this game they really wanted it to appeal to all gamers and just all walks of life especially girls uh, that was uh, kind of something that they never really went for in terms of Nintendo. Nintendo was, you know, always like a family kind of game. But at the time, in like 2001, uh, there was never any like overt intention to capture an audience outside of traditional gamers uh, other than families. And the funny thing is, too, is that Nintendo even brought in a lot of female game designers and developers, uh, which was huge at the time. So it's a, it's a very female like led and influenced uh, game, which is Probably, I'd argue, is like the first time that a AAA game was female influenced. That's pretty phenomenal. I had no idea, and that gives me even even more respect because women don't traditionally have the biggest presence in technology, from what I know, which in admittedly is limited. So, I mean, good on you, ladies. It's incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely is a boys' club uh, in in the gaming industry. I'd say Nintendo might be better than others just based on the games that they make. Uh, but uh, it was really cool to read that and uh, it's like be like, wow, like uh, that's pretty crazy that that's like 20 years ago. 
but also kind of sad that like that's still like a big problem in gaming yeah yeah like no like the new biggest games that come out like naughty dog had amy hennig who was like probably the biggest female in games in terms of development up until a few years ago where she left naughty dog um there's a ton of female journalists and obviously the e-gamer girl is a huge phenomenon right now on twitch and things like that but yeah i i, I never really thought of animal crossing as being a girl's game when i was young and when i saw it i thought of it being a kid's game mm-hmm. but i never put two and two together that this game was big for the female audience i remember when uh, girlfriend reviews the youtube channel when they announced animal crossing for switch her freak out was the funniest thing <laughs> well i think that's like the big thing too the the fact that there's so many of these games that were like, tried to be pushed on girls like the you know the brats uh, mm-hmm. franchise or like yeah. the um uh, like the barbie franchise like games like there's so many of those that were just terribly developed clearly got yeah. no money uh so it's cool to see like you know see this for animal crossing and you know that's uh it's nice to also have a, a girl on here kira to to talk about like that side of of it because we we can only speak of our like version of of that you know i think we we may have different priorities and what we're looking to achieve in the game i perhaps want to grow a few more flowers and you guys want to show some fish who are boss but <laughs> i mean the, the the cool thing is too with especially with the new version of Animal Crossing, is they've they've removed all the limitations with regards to what hairstyles and outfits can be worn regardless of what you choose to start off your character. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's another metric of accessibility in a world that's kind of unkind that they just, they just remove that barrier. It is pretty cool in that sense, for sure. Yeah, and other games with customizable options, I don't even think they've done that in most other games, like, I'm trying to think of other AAA games that do that. Like, there's, I know Ubisoft has had a huge issue recently with uh, gender roles in certain games and stuff like that, and how you, relationship choices you can't make if you're a guy or vice versa if you're a girl. You can't have uh, same sex marriages and stuff like that. So, yeah, just something as simple as wanting to wear the clothing you want to wear or the hairstyle you want to wear. I don't see why that's not more progressive in games. Now, Kira, uh, Another question for you, just what are your first memories of Animal Crossing the franchise in general? Because I talked a little earlier about me getting this game and just or any game for Animal Crossing and how strange it was at first. And I didn't really get fully into it until a couple like weeks or months later. So I'm one of those people who's really liked the games like Harvest Moon, where you pretty much do chores within a game and you get satisfaction from completing your chores. So right out of the gate, entering in to New Leaf and getting this little tent to work on, I was ready, man. (laughs) I was ready for that game, and I didn't even realize how ready I was. I I wish I was exaggerating, but I probably played 10 hours straight my first go. I could (laughs) not put it down. I... I loved walking to the different shops and checking out what there was and, you know, seeing what's over here when the shops close. It it just immersed me in such a way that I was hooked. The feeling is continued throughout all of the Animal Crossing games because it just immerses you into a world where you still have a lot to get done, but you don't feel the same pressures other than Tom Nook up your ass. But... <laughs> I mean, you're never going to escape Tom Nook, no matter what his name is. So. <laughs> I, I was going to say that if you played this game and if you were obsessed with this game back when you were a kid, I think that this game prepares millennials very well for real life, um, <laughs> being that you get off this train, you're forced to buy a home, and then you're instantly in debt, <laughs> which is fantastic. And you have well, I'd this, like this... I'd like to agree with you 
and also say that one thing I did in that game was I paid a guy in France to come deliver a whole bunch of bells to me. <laughs> and that did prepare me for the real life of purchasing goods and services mm -hmm. from people yeah. in other countries. <laughs> yeah, it teaches you all about like like shipping and ordering and planning ahead and things like that. And just like working towards paying down your house loan and in, in, in most people our age is situation student loans which didn't exist in animal crossing but it's kind of the same thing it's the same thing you you, you have loans yeah well because tom nook comes to you Forever yeah, he, he's always like well you, you can live here but you know here's your debt so bye exactly and here's your debt and here's uh, a job no you can figure that out go find your own job it's going to be mostly just scrapping at the, the you're just going to be hacking at trees and catching <laughs> yeah. bugs for the most part which is what a lot of people our age are doing now it's like everyone's <laughs> kind of coming out with side hustles and weird jobs to try and make ends meet it's kind of a similar very good life sim in that situation it kind of predicted what we'd be doing in about 18 years after this game came out which is really funny <laughs> it's very catching true. bees and shaking trees catching bees and shaking trees all day long all day long Kira, before we let you go, is there anything else you would uh, you want to mention about this franchise, how it's impacted you? Any last thoughts? You know what? I would love to leave you guys with a last thought from Katrina, from New Leaf in the Fortune Teller's Tent. Mm -hmm. Because there's one quote that she would say at the end of all of her appearances that's one that we can, we can carry far past our islands in Animal Crossing, where she says, and remember that bad times are just times that are bad. Mm. words of wisdom gentlemen words yep. of wisdom right there in a beautiful game with the best music to work to oh i mean okay well so uh, before you go i do want to mention that too so yep. the music we haven't even touched on the music yet but uh kira and i actually both uh use this plugin on chrome uh i think i think it's called animal crossing music or i don't know what the plugin's actually called we're not sponsored by them it's fine <laughs> but it's great because in the real world, in the, or sorry, in the Animal Crossing world, the music changes every hour, and there's a little like do do do, you know, like 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 the clock goes every time it changes, and if you really want to be completely immersed in that at all times during the day while you're working, you can do this with the Animal Crossing music plugin for Google Chrome. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and oh, we had it play, and it was beautiful. <laughs> that is a really cool concept too. That every hour of the day had a different chime and a different music. And same thing with the seasons. The GameCube. We talked about the internal clock adjusting to the time of day. It also would adjust to the time of year it was, which really ahead of its time too. Like if you played the game in the winter, the town was in winter and everything like that. Summer, vice versa, and that changed the music too. So yeah, just using and that internal. And if you time traveled, there were consequences. <laughs> That's right. <Yep. laughs> Rossetti was there to, to stop you. Two types of people, time travelers and people who tell the truth or whatever. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, laying that truth on us. Time traveled because I missed the last day of fireworks and I uh. like to spell things in the sky. Hmm. That's worth it. It's worth it to time travel for fireworks. Well, Kira, thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast today and leaving us with those beautiful words of wisdoms from Katrina herself. And uh, it was great to have you. It's been great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kira. Talk to you later. See you later. Bye. Bye, guys. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Well, thank you so much, Kira, for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts about Animal Crossing franchise and leave us with some words of wisdom. Bad times are just times that are bad. Yep, and that's where I come in. So this game never <laughs> appealed to me. <laughs> Let's turn it off.
Yeah, okay. So obviously for the first half of this episode, I've been talking about how this game is great. And I still agree with that. I think this game is a technical masterpiece and I think it's ahead of its time. And I think that the franchise is very important to gamers and games in general. I do not disregard the fact that this game is huge and that everyone should be playing it and stuff like that, especially during a pandemic because times are bad. And like Kira said, you know, times are bad. But the thing I don't like about this series is that Okay, it's a life sim, which means I'm automatically not going to like it. I'm not a huge fan of life simulator games. Same thing goes for The Sims. I love business tycoon games like Roller Coaster Tycoon, Zoo Tycoon. I think those games are fantastic because when the hell am I ever going to get to own a roller coaster? But in a game when you can have a job, have friends and make money and things like that, cook food, you can do that in real life. I get really upset when I hear about people that spend 500 to 1,000 hours in a game doing things that you can do in real life. Okay, well, (laughs) I mean, I'm going to have to argue back there because can you do these things in real life? Not a hundred percent. No, you can't. You can't pa- pa- catch a butterfly and sell it for ten dollars at the store. Or something so, like that, but. so this is like because I get, I get, I get you mm-hmm. in the sense of like the menial tasks and it becoming a chore and things like that. But see, the beauty of Animal Crossing is that it doesn't become a chore, and it's the only right. life sim game that that is like that. And that's because of Nintendo's attention to detail for the characters, the dialogue, the setting. You, you always feel immersed. You never feel like you're wasting time. That's the beauty of Animal Crossing. Sure. I, I don't like to hear... Okay, I love video games. I never like to hear people feeling like... Or saying, I never feel like I'm wasting time while you're playing a video game. Because I think video games are a massive waste of time. And that's coming from someone who has played thousands of hours of video games in his life. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to be the devil's advocate for this game. Obviously, it's huge and there's tons of fans. I fall into the camp that you see on the message board saying that this is not a game. It's uh, it's just a life sim and things like that. But that's also like people saying games like Life is Strange are not video games. They're just walking sims. So I don't necessarily like the 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 argument that Animal Crossing is not a game. Um, it is a game. It's just I think it. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just not a huge fan of like I like I like to make progress and and to do things like this in my day to day life. So I already do most of these things in real life. Like I already. <laughs> I already go out and collect food. I already have a job. I already, I'm not in debt, but I, you know, I already, I'm trying to avoid debt. <laughs> I'm already in debt. <laughs> I, <laughs> avoiding debt like a real millennial. But, you know, I, I have, I make friends and stuff like that. None of my friends are pelicans, sadly, mm-hmm. but uh, I get more satisfaction out of doing that in real life. So I don't see any reason to sit down and play a game that is just doing things that I've been doing all day already. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I get it. I get it. It just it's it's something that is I don't know. It's it's hard to explain because it does yeah. it does have a bit of that Nintendo magic to it, which makes it so so hard to, to keep away from. Yeah, and that and that's what I love about video games is that video games, I believe video games are for everyone. I don't think every video game is for everyone. I can sit down and play oh, yeah. yeah, I can sit down and play Tetris for hours, but most people can't because that's just not fun. But I can sit down and watch blocks fall all day and not Ooh. think it's boring. I think I'm going to play some Tetris after this. Oh, I think I might too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, there's Life Sims too. And I was going to say Kira mentioned Harvest Moon, which is another farming life simulator. So there's like the Animal Crossing, the Harvest Moons, and then... And Stardew uh, Valley. Uh, Star- I was going to say Stardew Valley is the recent game that took the world by storm. So there's this huge fan base for games like this where people can just live in this farm area which i think is fantastic it's a good good way to kind of escape a city life which most of us live in Mm -hmm. and things like that it's just it like yeah i don't know why like the sims is just a completely different beast i think animal crossing is way better than the sims in terms of just a game that you'd i'd rather play animal crossing than sims for sure because sims is literally a real life simulator where you're playing as people 
Yeah, and you, you give them personalities. Yeah, yeah, and you give them personalities. Whereas Animal Crossing is this, you know, you're playing with animals and everything's cute and, and obviously cartoony and things like that. So mm-hmm. if I had to rank it in terms of life sim games, I would definitely play Animal Crossing over all the other games. So that's totally fair. Yeah, that's praise, and I think I did praise the game enough. Like I, I, I think the game is fantastic. Don't please don't at me when you hear my <laughs> rant, my long rant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna at you. Okay, you can at me, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I can take you on. I, I know, I know you how you punch, but. <laughs> So, let's read the back of the case. Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. Mm. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Welcome to town. It's time to move to Animal Crossing, the real-life game that's happening every second of every day, whether you're there or not. And then there's a whole bunch of these like bubbles here. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll just read them uh, pretty fast. Okay. And that's uh, we got um, KK Slider, Tom Nook, Blathers, and uh, Rover in the back here. Oh, a little, little bit of trivia there for who's on the back of the GameCube case. That's pretty good. Uh, K.K. Slider is, we, uh, you know K.K. Slider. He's, uh, I'd say he's probably, him and Tom Nook are probably the faces of the franchise. Yeah, the guitar playing dog I'm a fan of. Yeah. I'll give you that. And he's got great tunes. And he's like, he's really cool because he, his dialogue is kind of like very hippie-esque. He's like, hey man, what's going on? Just like. He definitely knows some Oasis on that guitar. No doubt he's not playing What's the Story Morning Glory on repeat with that guitar. Yes, it is. That's just a little bit of a KK cruising for you on 98.3, the Cube FM. Ooh, yeah, he's he's definitely the house. He's the he's the new house band of the cube. <laughs> it's funny because he he is basically like the, that's one of the goals in Animal Crossing is to get him there, and he's like the house band, <laughs> the oh, town okay. band. He just it comes on Saturdays. But there's no drummer in the Animal Crossing world. There's only one guitar player. <laughs> that's got to be tough to start a band in, in Animal Crossing world. It's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. I got uh, two last things here to talk about. Okay. One thing, uh, when you wrote stuff, like when you actually had to write dialogue back to some of the characters, which we saw when I was talking about uh, our favorite Rossetti, mm-hmm. um, uh, you had the ability to use icons. Like the sun, like you are my sunshine, was an actual sun icon. Oh. And this was like before emojis. Yeah. This is pre-emoji uh, writing, which was really cool. Yeah, that's pre-emoji. And could you do like letters? Um, like there wouldn't have been any B2 or G2G and stuff like that yet, right? Like I don't think people were doing that yet. Into the, there was texting in the early 2000s, but I'm trying to think of like when the first like LOL and stuff like that was. Oh, MySpace but, and stuff. So early 2000s, yeah. It would have been around this time. Early but, to, but Maybe just before. Yeah, so using yeah. pictures to communicate was, yeah, that might have been one of the first instances of that happening because their email was still fairly new and people weren't using like smiley face emoticons yet in mass like we are now where we're practically using hieroglyphics to communicate again. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I want to say too is my one con of this game. Oh, you I only have, have one? cons. I really only have one big con. I mean, there's lots of like small things that are wrong with this game, but I have one big con and it's the graphics. The graphics are bad. 
They they well, are N sixty four graphics, and you hate the N sixty four. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and and it's it's tough because this is a game that you really want to pop. You know, you really you, you see sunshine, for example, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Like I feel so immersed in this world. The water looks amazing. Like I, I it's it's such a cool environment, and like you really feel like you're you're on an island on vacation with Mario. Uh, Enter Animal Crossing comes out basically the same time, you know, uh, two weeks or yeah, two weeks later, uh, in North America, and the the graphics look awful comparing comparatively. You know, it looks like it's a early N sixty four graphics, it, which it it looks like a straight. Is. It is. It's a straight N sixty four port to the GameCube. I I say that lightly. It obviously isn't, but they didn't do much to the graphics and graphics wise. It is basically a port. Character yeah, models yeah. are all N sixty four character models. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a complaint, but that was. One of the issues that we talked about with a game like Cubivore and Eternal Darkness did the best they could to salvage it and make it look like a GameCube game. They did it for the most part, make it look like a more yeah. modern game. Star Fox Adventures, I like I said in that episode, I think that's one of the most beautiful games on the console. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, with Animal Crossing, it just it was one of those games that was rushed to release in North America, at least. Um, I don't think the Australian version looks any different. But no, they all look basically the same. Yeah, yeah, and that's why a lot of people were so upset with the Animal Crossing on Wii U was that they thought it was going to be that HD Animal Crossing game that we've we had wanted for 13 years at that point, but it ended up being that half baked uh, board game yeah. and a Mario Party kind of game. Why? And then Animal Crossing New Horizons on Switch is the first HD Animal Crossing game, and that's this is the game that, like you said, it's just the polished version of Animal Crossing on GameCube. It really is, you know. It really feels like the successor to to that, like that, the like finally, right? You know, even City Folk wasn't, uh, and obviously improved it, but it wasn't, you know, what you would have really wanted. Uh, graphics always come secondary to a franchise like this, right? The amount of work you have to do on everything else, uh, you know, has to come first. And I get it, you know, because the graphics really aren't important in that sense, but it does make a huge difference to get you involved and immersed in the game when you have a beautiful, like beautiful graphics, like they are on the switch. Yeah. Like we talked about how many things this game did right with the internal clock and everything like that, the multiplayer, the way they got around multiplayer, having a console with no online with the, the E cards being like a DLC uh, workaround and things like that. It is too bad that the, the graphics weren't quite there. If they could have just been like 10% better, 15% better, I think I could have given it a pass, but yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to go back to the original Animal Crossing game now unless you have like mm-hmm. real nostalgia for it. But if you did want to go back to Animal Crossing in the year 2020, just to date this podcast, uh, <laughs> you'd be looking at about $60 Canadian, which isn't terrible. I think it would range from about $60 to $80 depending on the condition, if it comes with the memory card. The manual is pretty beefy in this game. So it's not outrageously expensive yet. I'm surprised it didn't go up a lot this year, but not not too bad in terms of price. Yeah, no, definitely not too bad. And to be, to go off of that, uh, I personally would definitely recommend everyone uh, pick up this game if you're a collector uh, for the GameCube. And if you're not, then I would say don't pick this game up. Oh. <laughs> pick up uh, New Horizons because it's the it's what the GameCube game was meant to be. So yeah, I think I, I think I fall in that same camp where if you're a collector, Animal Crossing on GameCube is fantastic. That's why I own it. I I didn't buy it to play it for hundreds of hours like the fans did. Uh, and I wish I, I liked this franchise more because it is such a big Nintendo franchise. <laughs> yeah, if it's if it's a series that you like and, and maybe you want to divulge into the history of the game, maybe go back and uh, see what the GameCube game started. Yeah, because this really did influence everything. It's probably one of the most influential games ever made, in, in my opinion. Yeah, could be. Could be up there. For sure. So, and with Animal Crossing being such a pretty big, such a big Nintendo franchise, it's obviously appeared in many uh, media 
things throughout Nintendo's life. It's now in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe as its own track. Obviously, the characters are in Super Smash Bros, where you can play as Villager and things like that. But it also appears in a book that Mike is quite, Mike and I are both quite fond of, which is 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die. Now, Mike, why don't you read us a, a quick segment from that game, right, or that book right now about Animal Crossing? Mm-hmm, for sure. So it starts with, it's all so simple. You switch Animal Crossing on at 9 in the morning. Most of your animal friends will be wide awake and bustling around your cobbled village. Switch it on again at 9 in the evening, and they'll be in bed. With the town square deserted, warm lights will glow from the windows of comfy little cottages. Turn it on in the winter, it'll be snowing. Autumn, you can watch the leaves turning brown. It's a very simple kind of magic, but one that ensures that Animal Crossing feels like very few other games. On the surface, it's a bare-bones social simulator, plonking you into a village of strangers, lumbering you with a hefty mortgage to pay off and an empty house to fill with furniture, and pushing you out the door to make friends. In reality, however, it genuinely feels like a gateway to a different world, a bittersweet, somewhat capitalist fantasy land <laughs> with quirky characters who are just as likely, likely to sulk at you and move away as they are to shower you with gifts and empty pleasantries. The perfect example of a game rising above its core mechanics, that Animal Crossing is smart, cynical, adorable, and worryingly capable of weaving its way into the fabric of real life. Well, that, that was beautiful. Very well written, which is why I wanted to make sure that we highlighted it. It's uh, very cool. So yeah, that's, thank you, 1001 Video thank Games. Thank you so much, 1001 Video Games. I meant to ask, in the, uh, I meant to ask. Uh, I guess you or Kira, I'll ask now, I'll ask you, can characters die in the game or do they simply move away? Uh, they just move away. They move away when they like, the, a lot of times they don't have a reason to. Right. Uh, it's sometimes it's like they don't like not well they're avoiding like death they're avoiding tom nook because he's he's trying to he's trying to steal all their things to basically get back the he's like a repo man he's trying to steal all their things and they need to escape this crippling debt that they're they're under <laughs> that's what i like to think yeah like they move away for different reasons it's usually if you don't talk to them for a long time and stuff like that but uh there's a whole bunch of different things to make them make that happen which is another thing about animal crossing that's actually pretty cool that some people like and some people don't like but the fact that it's very random you know a lot of animal crossing is just a random game it's like life you know random things happen yeah that that is an element of life for sure and there is a ghost in the game of course wisp the uh, the ghost character which leads me to believe that characters must die because there's of course mm. a ghost in the game so very true that's uh the, the villager who came before you oh god that's terrifying <laughs> Well, I think that just about covers everything for Animal Crossing on the GameCube is Cool podcast. Mike, is that all you have for your notes? That's all I have. Yeah, it was a pleasure doing this one. It's uh, This has been a long time coming. I'm, I'm really excited we got to talk about Animal Crossing. It's uh, Like I said, it's probably one of my favorite games ever. Uh, I have such fond memories of it, and uh, I'm excited to to keep playing the uh, the switch version cool um, i'm happy for you and i'm happy i'm happy for the 22.4 million people out there that are loving animal crossing new horizons on switch uh keep keep picking up those games i love seeing good nintendo sales switch sales and whatnot it's really cool i don't own stock in nintendo i just like seeing them do well but uh <laughs> but mike why don't you uh why don't you let the listeners out there uh give a little give them a little taste on what's to come on episode 19 of the gamecube was cool podcast Okay, Neil, on episode 19, we have wrestling games. Yeah, wrestling. So this is going to be a great episode. We got nine games to cover here. We got the WWE games, WrestleMania, Crush Hour, Day of Reckoning. We got Legends of Wrestling. We got UFC Throwdown. And we have a little surprise game at the end that we're going to be talking about. So stay tuned for that. Oh, what can I? I'm not going to say what the surprise is, obviously. I know what it is, but I am very excited to talk about that surprise wrestling game. <laughs> um, it's going to be a fun time. Yes, it will. 
All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to the GameCube is Cool podcast, a weekly show every Thursday, uh, Thursday morning on all your podcast services. Thank you so much for the support. Keep sharing this with your friends and uh, we hope to hear from you next time or see you next time, whatever podcast listeners do to their audience. I don't know. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> see you later. Bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.